0: Hello, tile friends, and welcome back to another one of the Tile Money live podcast interviews. This podcast, Tile Money, is strengthening the tile industry. We are doing this with our unique business education. From tile contractors for tile contractors, this tile, this education is assisting the whole industry, uh, every contractor worldwide. In fact, today I'm wearing a shirt from Ontario, Canada, from DeLuso. Thank you so much for this beautiful shirt. I'm wearing a hat from uh, Donald D- Donald from New Jersey. Thank you so much for this hat. We're assisting tile contractors like Donald and DeLuso to build profitable, sustainable businesses, the type of businesses that are good for the industry, the type of businesses that are good for the tile contractors, bottom line, and and the the communities they live and work in. Today, we have a great interview. We have no other than Chris Walker in the studio today. Let's hear it, guys. Put in your comments. Uh, Let's make today's show an epic show. Uh, Ask questions, uh, comment, follow us along, help us create this podcast live. How cool is that? Chris is the vice president for the Northeast region for operations for the David Allen Company. The David Allen Company is one of the oldest tile installation companies in North America. Now, Chris has 31 years uh, experience as a professional manager, as well as an installer and a small business owner himself inside the tile industry. So a lot of experience here. Chris is also the current president of the NTCA. He sits as a chairman for the ANSI, American Standards Institute. He's a voting member for the TCNA handbook committee. Those are just a few, not all of the committees and volunteer positions he holds within the industry, tile and construction. And even though Chris says he'll tell you that tile was an accidental profession for him back when he was uh, about to or uh, attending school full time. He got started, and he, he started as a part-time laborer, and he went to school, college, full-time. He ended up, uh, you know, staying. Obviously, he's, he made it his full-time career and has been in the industry ever since. But before we bring him on and start talking to him about all this good stuff, I want to take a minute to thank our sponsors. Now, these are the companies who are investing back in you, the tile installer, the tile contractor. They're strengthening the, the industry with their dollars. They're putting their money where their mouth is, right? The NTCA. The oldest association, the oldest and largest association for tile contractors. decree the oldest inventor of thinset, manufacturer of materials, installation, grout, waterproofing. GoBoard. GoBoard is, is newer, but GoBoard is, is putting their money where their mouth is. They're investing in the, co- in the industry. They're getting involved in the industry. HappyTileGuy.com, where you can get your, your tile contractor websites built. And all of you patrons, like I mentioned today, DeLuso, Donald, you send me hats, you send me shirts, and you contribute to my Patreon account to help uh, assist other tile contractors. So let's bring Chris on and see what he has to has to say today. I'm looking forward to this interview very much. Hey, Chris. How are you? Doing well. Thank you. How are you today?
1: I'm great. Thanks very much for having me. And I want to start by thanking you for all you do, and you're bringing a lot of guys from the trade into the business side and giving them lots of really great, useful information. I think it's one of the most exciting things we have going on right now in the trade.
0: Well, I appreciate that uh, testimony. And for you saying that, Chris, I, I really appreciate that. Uh, I'm excited to have you here today. We were actually uh, scheduled to do something earlier this year of, of, at Coverings. And of course, that did not happen. We were going to do a roundtable discussion and talk about the business. So I've been meaning to get back with you. Jerry's with us from uh, Texas. Welcome to the show. Chris is here. Uh, We appreciate everybody being here, and you all can contribute to a great show by commenting. So Chris, uh, for those those watching and listening to this in the future, give us your 10,000-foot overview of who you are and of your time in the industry.
1: Um, you mentioned it a little bit. I <clears throat> I ended up uh, going back to school a little later. I'd, I'd been in college after high school. Um, then I went out to the workforce for a while, went back to college, and took a, a part-time job as a laborer for a towel company. that was a friend of the family and um, stuck with that for a little while. And, and then all of a sudden realized that, you know, I was communicating with the superintendents, communicating on job sites and started to look at plans. Then went, <clears throat> you know, after college went inside, on the business side and estimated, uh, learn how to do the office stuff and basically what we call an office puff for many years. Um, and then I moved away from that business and moved back to my home state of Iowa and uh, started a small installation company where I was essentially, you know, a bucket and guy, me and a couple of guys, you know, doing mostly residential, some small commercial work in the Midwest. Um, and then I had had that commercial experience before. I went back to be um you know, to, to, to run my own company, and then uh, ended up having an opportunity to come back to the East Coast, uh, uh, you know, wearing a commercial hat with a friend and and partner, and we had a small private installation company doing mostly commercial work, and then got some opportunities to work with some really, you know, giants of the industry like Port Morris Tile and Marble, who's no longer uh, an active entity, but then. I uh, got introduced to the David Allen company about 10 years ago and I'm uh, really blessed to be at David Allen they're a fine I mean they're really an industry icon and and uh, it's uh, it's been quite an opportunity.
0: Yeah. Now I'm I'm kind of, you know, jumping to an assumption that they are the oldest uh, installation company or is it, would, would well, there's you
1: plenty of hundred year old plus installation companies I know of a couple uh, in the New York market and there's some guys peppered around the country, a couple of guys in Chicago. Uh, that I can think of off the top of my head, but, uh, definitely, I mean, when you hit the hundred year mark, you pretty much have to stop explaining, you know, that you're a well-established company. So.
0: <laughs> I think after 25 years, but yeah, I mean, definitely after a hundred and that's, that's an incredible f- feat. So congratulations to, uh, the, you know, the originators, the visionaries, um, and, and all you hardworking men and women in the company who, who are continuing to do that today. Um, I would like to ask you, you know, back when you went on your own, you said you moved back home and you started a small company for yourself. I, I, you know, that's really a large amount of the audience listening today and in the future. So let's talk about that for a few minutes. Um, You know, and I'm always curious to hear uh, older stories, stories about uh, how Tile was installed and and ran and and all that good stuff. Um, Well, you're
1: making me sound old man. No,
0: no, no. It's, (laughs) You know what it, (laughs) you know what it is. Um, It's it's just our history, and we're passionate people. And, And so every time, every tile person I know who has the opportunity to talk about our history wants to talk about it. So, in your view, back then, how was the tile contractor installer viewed by the consumer? How were the relationships, if any, were they different back then?
1: Well, when you say back then, I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump before the going back to Iowa and starting the installation company to. Talk a little bit about the commercial work at the time when I first got in, in, in the tile industry. And, you know, a, a big tile was eight by eight, right? You know, right. so at that point the the tile marketplace was six and eight by eight and four by eight quarry tile and eight by eight, uh, you know, porcelain wall tile. I remember installing tons of Marazzi eight by eight all over the country. And um it just you know, there were specialty materials and of course the tile trade has been around for literally thousands of years, but um You know, it just, the kind of commercial work we were doing, it just wasn't that interesting. Mm -hmm. Lots of four and a quarter cord uh, cord shell uh, toilets, some nice lobby stuff, but it was very straightforward, at least the type of work that I had at the time. Uh, I remember I didn't really have a lot of installation experience at that point because I almost moved immediately into the office. But then when I went back out to the Midwest to start my own thing, I took a really a part-time job at night as a key punch operator for a retailer. While in the daytime, I was out uh, hustling, trying to get some work, uh, doing tile installations through, you know, some various local shops and distributors, and and uh, those are the folks that really helped me get started back in that in that marketplace. So it's been kind of an interesting ride. I've I've done some like most guys, right? I mean, I I really enjoy going through Facebook and watching. uh, you know, the GTP and, and tile geese and stuff, because I, I love watching guys post their work, guys mm-hmm. and gals, pardon me, mm-hmm. post their work, and they're so proud of these installations. And, you know, that's how we learn, right? Yeah. Most of us learn the hard way through our mistakes and our efforts and just keep trying to plug, plug away and move forward.
0: Yeah, and it, I agree. You know, it... It is how we uh, move the tr- the trade as a whole forward. I mean, I think of uh, Joshua Nordstrom, who just two days ago in in their tile um, artisan Facebook group with him and Lee Calliwart, who who started that and, and Jane, he posted uh, an entryway. I don't know if you saw this picture yet, Chris. Yeah, and it, it awesome. looks like a hole in the floor. Yes, and, it's incredible. And so you and I, you know, back, you know, we might say, well, you know, how do, how the heck did he do that? I would never be able to do that. But what's beautiful about Josh and Lee and all the all these groups, you know, the people who are participating is he explained step by step exactly how he did it. And it wasn't even, you know, there is, there's level of difficulty there, yes, and talent, yes, but it's not unthinkable that I would be able to do that if I just follow his step-by-step step guidance.
1: Yeah, that le- that level of creativity is just off the chart, right? I mean, I, I can't imagine even having the inclination to spend as much time as it takes him to do that because it's truly artistry. Yeah, uh, and that's one of the neat things about the trade. I yeah. mean, you know, I, I've said before that lots of tile guys are frustrated artists because they just want they want to control those details. And and you know, and I was reading something uh, a guy was talking about. You know, it's the end of the 10 hour day and you know, you make that cut, it's not quite right. And you know, do you leave it or do you do you take it back out and replace it, make that another trip up the stairs or whatever it is to to make that installation perfect? And those are the people that probably are gonna be in the industry forever and and end up staying and coming to lots of different levels. So I want to drop back to a question that you asked me about how it changed, because it reminded me of a story you and I spoke a little bit yesterday. But I remember when I was writing the president's letters for tile letter, um, I remember asking a guy who had been in the trade longer than me, and I said, Well, what was the thing that really changed the trade most for you? And he said the mixing drill. And I thought that was such a simplistic answer, but I mean I was surprised by it. But I thought, gosh, I mean, this goes back to the advent of the blade creed in the beginning of thin sets and, and how guys were mixing dry set mortar with a stick in a bucket. And how a mixing drill changed this guy's life because he was a helper, you know, <laughs> It's <laughs> struggling to make this at yeah, the bucket. Yeah. It is incredible. It is incredible.
0: And we have guys here today. I mean, a comment from a Facebook user, I'm chopping mud. He, that means he's mixing his fat mud. And, yeah. you, I mean, you know what it means, but I'm, I'm saying sure. for all the Midwest guys and, and some of these other guys, he's mixing it with a hoe and uh, um, a barrel or a, a mud box, right? And mud, the the group mud, I want to mention in the event mud, they're focused on the traditional ways of building because there's value there. And a lot of guys have came to this event or picked up this knowledge like John Bridge and on these forums and on this, and they've taken it back to their states and they've become a specialty contractor because they've learned mud and now their value just went up. So, and you're right about one thing. You're not, you're not that old, Chris. We're talking about when we talk about your beginnings in the trade, we're talking about the 1990s, right?
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, it, and so when you- Late, late 80s, Yeah, so it, it helps to put a date on this thing because now we realize, oh, you know, and you explained it, the type of um, work you were doing. But what I'm really interested, and I'll ask you this other question about that time period, is what were your mentors who were your age now or even retiring? They were, you know, the guys who were on the way out of the trade. Maybe they were in their late 50s and early 60s. What kind of stories did they tell about their prime, their heyday?
1: I remember a story. Um, this is not a, probably not the best reference, but I remember a guy at a event, a TCAA event, and I think I was in Chicago, and they said that they measured a successful convention by how many guys got arrested. but that was <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a little bit before my time. but you know, going back to the beginning of uh, you know my most cherished collaborations in tile have come. From my opportunity to meet and greet guys at, at trade shows and stuff. And for example, you know, it, I've been going to coverings since before it was coverings. Mm. And um, the first time I went, I had no idea why I was going. Um, I, you know, basically packed a bag and told my wife I was going to Florida. And she goes, What is this thing? What's this thing you're, what? What are you talking about? So I don't really know. I'm going to go check it out. Right. And um, I've met a whole bunch of folks there that I've known for many, many, many years. And uh, I, Truly miss them because this year has been an odd year. But right. those are the guys that I've, I've learned the most from, and we always, you know, through the ANSI meetings, TCMA, and just going through the vendor rep- uh, the vendor presentations. I mean, I, I've learned so much from those meetings. <clears throat> in addition to just things that you learn, and you can only learn on your knees, you know, uh-huh. you know trial and error. Um, didn't have to watch the video, but I figured out on my own. At one, I remember overnight one night in a bank lobby, about six hundred square feet of bank lobby it was most a tile on a diamond you know it's those things you never forget that installation and i remember finally just getting that flow going where the everything was going right and setting the material down in the trowel and moving it in and it was just everything was just working the way it was supposed to and you kind of came to that you had that epiphany that yeah if i trial it this way and i do it this way i get the best coverage i can move faster and those things are guys you know guys just learn on their own as they're doing the work yeah
0: and so uh if i could make a- make a light joke here <laughs> was that a challenge that that you uh put out there to uh the mud event or any <laughs> of these other homegrown events that a successful event is uh is calculated by by how many people get arrested no <laughs> no no
1: no, no. i just remember you know this was an old this is an old you know cigar chomping you know i know. Uh, I, I, the, I like the, the traditional tile guy of 60, maybe 50 60 years ago He's a pretty pretty rough guy, but you know, big heart and a lot of fun. But um, anyway, I shouldn't it's have said a, that. But no, no,
0: no, no, no. You were you were relaying what somebody else said, and it it it, it brings light. Look, we we've got to we've got to be uh, a little bit lighter on ourselves, and a little bit more, you know, able to laugh at ourselves and and enjoy. You know, the facts are, you know, they are what they are, and it was something that that someone said to you. So
1: yeah, well, just, he was he he and his entire family were uh staples in the chicago installation market for many many years so i'll leave that one we'll let that one pass but um, let's go ahead let's
0: jump into the time if you don't mind uh when you went out on your own and and you opened up your business i really want to talk about how difficult or easy of a time it was for you and the and kind of the lessons learned
1: well you know you asked me the question you know some of the questions were you passionate about, and I think after this time in the marketplace, it it took me and it takes so many guys a long time to gain the confidence to actually demand to get paid for your experience and demand demand to get paid for your expertise. And uh, at least for me, for for so many years, that really came down to proper preparation of the substrate. Uh, I remember as a residential installer, I was out there with a the sander sanding down OSB taking ridges and stuff off. Nobody else was doing that. Nobody was paying me to do that. But I just, you know, when I was doing my own residential installation, I just thought that I couldn't deliver a high quality installation with all that stuff going on underneath the cement board. Mm-hmm. So I, I remember, I remember the particular builder that I was working for asking me why I was doing it. And I tried to, then I went to explain to him that, you know, his boards were improperly placed and they had been left out, out to expose conditions and They were cresting at the peaks, and he goes, you know, so I was grinding them off because, well, nobody's ever done that. Well, I mean, I understand that nobody's ever done that, and and hopefully it's worth the extra dollar a foot or whatever I got for it. Um, But it's just one of those things where you you, you want to deliver a high-quality product. You start to see the things that are keeping you from doing that and try to move those obstacles one by one.
0: It's interesting. So you went, um, you went really over and above what you saw kind of the, the, you know, the local standard at the time was. So you've always yeah. had a, a sincere interest in standards and, and quality, right?
1: I did. I had a conversation with that guy about 25 years after some of my initial installations. And he said, you're the only guy I know of that didn't produce failures for me. So I've never had a callback on one of your jobs. So I felt pretty good about that, right? That's
0: a very, that's a very yeah. good compliment. Yeah, very much so. We would all feel good for that type of compliment. That is how we value our, our, ourselves a lot of times.
1: Now, that's not to say that we haven't, that I haven't done unsuccessful installations. Trust me, there's plenty of. Sure. There's no such thing as a perfect tile installation, and I've managed to hide plenty of warts in my time, but. Um, you know, I always say just,
0: if you can do it seventy percent right, you're going to be okay. I mean, with especially with the standards we have today, and that's that's what I say personally. That's my viewpoint. With the standards we have today, if you can hit seventy percent of them, you're going to be a okay. It's a life. It's probably going to be a lifetime product.
1: So anyway, that's probably that's probably accurate. And, and I'm talking about the, the personal, private, residential installations sure. that I did on my own, sure. and, and these are decades ago. So yeah.
0: And I, and and frankly, we, we all just go through life and and do the best we can. What, you know, we were talking yesterday and, you know, before you went on your own, like you said, you were, you were doing some management for a larger outfit. Um, Were there any lessons that stuck out to you regarding kind of the relationship between installer and employee?
1: Installer and employee? Well,
0: well, when you went out, um, because you were, you were a manager, right? And, And then you went out on your own um and started hiring people for to work for you
1: yeah i mean i, I again we relating to a story where i was a finisher to start and went in the office pretty quick so i didn't really develop much installation acuity it took me you know um, i was never fast but i was always concentrated on doing high quality stuff but then i was working for a commercial company in new york city and um you know, that, that was all about production. And I remember, you know, honestly, um, I was always, my job was to make sure that we were getting as much production as possible. And that's a uncomfortable superintendents have a very difficult job, right? Because superintendents not making anybody happy. They're not making the crew happy. They're probably not making the GC happy. And, you know, if anybody's happy with the superintendent, they're probably missing a beat They're either giving up money to the GC or they're not getting enough production out of, a, out of the guys in the field. So, um, but then I remembered, you know, then I took a step out on my own again. And I remember uh, we talked about the story. I was, it was, it was late on a winter evening. Well, it was dark because I'm in the Midwest. It's four 30. It's dark. I was trying to get a fireplace done before I went home, you know, residential installation, three piece fireplace, two legs and a, and a header. And, uh, I cut the polished edge off of the, of, of one of the legs. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was so disappointed with myself, but then I had that moment like, you know what? I would have just been all over a guy that did this in the field. It wasn't because I didn't care. It wasn't because, you know, I wasn't, I just, it was dark. There was one light bulb hanging in the middle of the room. I, 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 I missed it. I wasn't thinking it just happened. Yeah. And, um, I thought to myself, gosh, you know, this is a hard trade. We're all, we're all just trying to do the best. And I think that that. That particular moment gave me some um, even greater appreciation for the guy on his knees. And, I, and I've told some other folks that have worked with us, not just here, but in my time in Tile, that got kind of the attitude on about the guy on his knees installing Tile. And I'd say, look, you know, you're overhead. He's the only guy here making money. I said, so you need to pay attention to what you're delivering, your attitude. You know, you're, we're all here just to make his life easy. Because if we're making his life easy, we're giving him the opportunity to do a great job, that's the only reason we we survive. So that was kind of the paradigm that I tried to adopt for the most part going forward. And ever since then, for me it's mostly been all about the craftsperson. Yeah. So and that's really I guess that's I that hope hopefully, you know, when I'm dead and gone, that'll be the takeaway that I tried to do what I could uh in the industry with all the other stuff that, that that I have an opportunity to do. It's really all about the crafts person and about the trade. So, yeah, uh,
0: I, I love that story. Thank you for sharing. You know that honest story, um, very real. I think we could all relate to being on the job after we want to be. Right? You're you're kind of rushing. You're kind of doing that, and then it just it triggered that emotion, and you were able to connect the dots. Hey, when I was a manager, maybe I now now next time I'm a manager, and we see that story would have impacted the rest of your career that you've had. And, and to this day, you, you know, it stands out and I appreciate you, you know, sharing that to us uh, with us here Um, because we all grow, you know, some of us choose to grow businesses with employees or, or might go into management positions. Um, And it's good to to remember where we're from. We have some questions from the audience um, that I, we will get to, I'm not going to get to them right now. The challenges that Chris sees in our industry, um, we, I do have that coming up here, but I, I want to talk about uh, David Allen Company. we got David Rothberg watching on YouTube. Thanks for watching, David. Thanks for your support. I appreciate uh, everything you do and done for our industry. So let's jump into the David Allen Company, if we could. A hundred-year-old company. So what early history do you know that you can share with us about the David Allen Company?
1: It's, uh, it's, it's, it's actually pretty fascinating. Uh, there was Mr. David G. Allen, uh, started the company in 1920. Um, was recognized as a high quality craftsman, uh, recognized also early the value of relationships in the community and the industry. Uh, there was an association before NTCA was NTCA called the Southern Mantle. So i't I, I, don't, I don't recall, but there's a picture of Mr. Allen at a table with his essentially competitors and you know, and, and other gentlemen from the industry. Uh, having that association meeting, uh, and and this is where you get to share lots of uh, very constructive comments and, you know, information with each other. Um, he hired uh, on a temporary basis a young man uh, named Robert Robertson, whose uh, intention was to be there for a short period of time before he went on to his real job. So it was right. just a temporary position for him. Right. Um, I think she he shared the story just not too long ago. I forget what he said he was making. I think it was $15 a week. I don't recall exactly what he said, but it was a fee appropriate for the time. Um, but um, through a bunch of serendipitous uh, situations, he ended up uh, essentially running the company after a very short period of time and has been involved in the industry for over 60 years, is currently our chairman. Uh, his brother, Dave Robertson, is our CEO. Um, these are two people who had vision beyond day-to-day operations of tile and terrazzo, again, always very committed to the, to the industry, uh, always very committed to the craftsperson and our associations that help. Uh, or, well, I mean, the, the charter of the NTCA is all about training. Really, that's what, it's, that's what it exists for. Same thing with the Ceramic Tile Education Foundation. That's all about training and certification. And um, you know that's very much a part of the David Allen legacy: a mm-hmm. customer service, craftsmanship, professionalism, and integrity. And you know, that's what has carried the company through. Because if you meet even even the management today and the principal shareholders, uh, you know, uh, Art and, and uh, Martin, uh, these guys walk the walk. They're 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 gentlemen of their word. They're gentlemen of their faith. Uh, it's it's uh, it's very refreshing place to be and. And I'm blessed to be there. And, and, and honestly, I can genuinely say that if you're going to be in business, why not be in a business that that respects the craft and, and is interested in in taking care of their employees? It's a, it's a it's a pretty refreshing perspective compared to lots of businesses today that are you know just looking to burn up their people. And that's just not the profile that David Allen has either yeah. in the industry or with their employees. So. Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you for sharing that history. It's a it's a great conversation. It's you know I share the same values, and, and it might seem like we're having a conversation here that is is interesting, and, but invaluable. But I really want to encourage the audience to dig deep there, go rewind those last two minutes, and listen to that again because you're you're gonna you're gonna hear insights. There was multiple multiple insights into what makes a company um, the type of uh, company, the comp sets up a company for success, the type of values that the leaders are going to, you know, share and, and, and express. Um, I, I do want to,
1: I do want to back up because yeah. there's one name I forgot and he was also critically important to the success of the David Allen company. That was Scott. He was in fact my introduction to the company. Uh, I'm going to share a quick story about him as well Is that, um, you know, there was a problem with an installation, uh, and Don, heard about it. They got called back. It was a few years later. And and it was just one of those things where Don said, don't worry, we'll take care of it. And why? Because it was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And it's that kind of integrity that's been part of the company for essentially its entire existence. So yeah. didn't mean to interrupt. I'm sorry.
0: No, not at all. Appreciate that. And And what would you say their vision was when they were starting this company? Because not all of them, from what I understand, were um, necessarily, you know, not all the leaders necessarily came from the installation side of things, but well, what was their vision, you know?
1: Well, yeah, it's interesting, and I, I think it's true, and I don't know if it's true for every successful company, but I think it. Um, Mr. Robertson's background essentially was finance and accounting, mm-hmm. and our current president is a uh, is a uh, certified public accountant as well. He's a Financial guy, he's a numbers guy, and I think that that's real important because you see it every day, right? You see lots of uh, really skilled craftspeople who just aren't business savvy. They don't know, you know, they either don't know how to make money, or save money, or keep money, or invest their money. And and, um, part of the part of the strength and financial stability of David Allen Company uh, rests on the fact that uh, they were very, very present relative to how do we successfully run a business, not just how do we get the material installed. And it's also about, you know, trying to maintain that high level of craftsmanship to keep people coming back. I keep saying that, you know, you're only as good as your last five minutes on a job. Um, you know, every job gets tough at some point, but it's always about trying to finish strong and, and walking away and holding your head high with what you've done. It doesn't happen every time. There's always issues, but it's really about how you go back and address those issues. Um, did I answer your question?
0: Yeah, I you know it, what I what I really like and, and what you did answer is the fact that yeah these guys you know their their focus m- m- perhaps part of the success and like you said this is a, this is part of it it's not all of it but part of the success of the company is they are focused on the financials they are focused on the business and only and we're gonna we're gonna bring this back around here in a minute to how that impacts the installer. But they're gonna they're gonna focus on the business and building it to be profitable and very successful. And we'll we'll get to how that actually impacts the installer who wants a wants a career. Uh, what kind of projects does the company work on today?
1: Yes, we you know, we do it all. All, all you know, tile. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we do it all. Um, you know, every there are branches. the The mothership is in Raleigh, North Carolina. It's a fabulous facility. It's a, essentially a. a a lifetime worth of, uh, uh, of Mr. Robertson's collections and, uh, an opportunity for, for a tile and marble and, uh, dimensional stone company to showcase those crafts because the office in Raleigh is essentially a show place. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, we do a lot of pretty high profile, a very complicated, uh, work. I would say that that would be our forte, uh, because, because we're such a large company with lots of infrastructure, it's real, it's real hard for us to compete with the lick them and stick them guys, because there's always going to be that lick them and stick them guy. And I, we just, we just can't be in that marketplace. I mean, I know that generally speaking, um, our price isn't going to be low and it's not because we're just, you know, uh, trying to take a whole bunch of extra dough on the job. It's because we have a full-time safety director. It's because, you know, we invest in, in high quality equipment and safety and, and all those things. I mean, we're, as an example, we're a platinum step participant. So if you know, at least in for the open shop companies for ABC, you know your your you know your commitment to safety. I mean, all of those things are are part of the company culture. All of them require a lot of investment. Um, but those are the kinds of jobs that give people confidence to put us on a really complicated, larger project uh, that we're gonna that we're gonna we're gonna finish that job no matter what.
0: And so the, que- the question is, and it, it came about here from the audience, Shannon Huffstickler, um, you know, are, you, are your clients finding you because of those values though, that you do bring? Or are you having to sell those values and say, well, look, this is why we're the more expensive guy?
1: Well, you sell those values and hopefully you have to do it only once, right? Uh, because if, if you sell those values and you don't deliver, mm-hmm. it's why would somebody want you back, Right. Yeah. um so that's a, that's a that's a that's a that's a that's the razor's edge conversation all the time mm-hmm. uh but kind of people i'm i mean at least in our branch here i mean the answer is going to be why are we having this conversation because we're going to do the right thing so let's just get there sooner uh because that just makes everybody's life a lot easier never make an excuse for crappy work let's just go fix it and make it right so um, especially because that's the value that we're selling people, and if and if we don't deliver on that, then it's then they're false promises, yeah. and nobody wants to deal with them. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, it you know, it, it's really the simple, and it, it, it sounds simple, but I know it's harder to execute on it. But it is uh, a pretty basic, you know, um, you know, thing. Like uh, there's a book, you know, how to win friends and influence people, and it's a very large book. I don't know if you've seen this book; it's been around a long time. and and it boils down to this, be a good human and, 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 you know, and, and do a few certain things, but it's essentially, you know, pretty, pretty much, you know, do what you say you're going to do, like you mentioned. And.
1: Yeah. We, um, as a company, we, we have company forums in the first Friday of every month, all the various branches get together via a webinar. And and there's a a young woman, uh, Kay Barrett, who's our counselor and she goes through these various things and, you know, Seven habits of highly effective people, but I wanted to talk specifically about speed of trust, mm. which was a follow up to the seven habits of highly effective people. And there were the 13 core um, words. And within those are, you know, transparency, courtesy, you know, and, and, and it all boils down to think about a relationship you have with somebody that you trust mm. and how productive that is versus someone that you don't trust. I mean, right. when, when you're dealing with somebody that you can't trust, all of your conversations are guarded. You have to, you know, to worry about, you know, what you're delivering, and 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 you're not taking anything for granted from that other person. It just makes it a very difficult uh, relationship. So, we try to be transparent with our clients. We try to be transparent with each other. We invest a lot here on doing, you know, the DISC profile, which is a just you know indications of how to best deal with each other a little bit on the lines of emotional intelligence and just you know knowing how to work with people and what tweaks people the right way and the wrong way and trying to avoid those triggers. And, and, uh, it just makes for a good work environment. You know, it makes, it makes for a a group, at least in in our branch, which is relatively small here. Um, uh, hopefully people that are all here for the right reason that want to do the right thing, uh, for, for lots of different reasons, um, because, you know, we have a high, high level of trust with each other and we're all trying to pull the boat in one direction.
0: Thank you for sharing those insights into your business and, and the way it operates and the way it strengthens the the essential um you know component the the employee right the the heart and soul of the business and I know a lot of tile contractors small contractors are out there saying well that's great that they can do that but how do I how do I implement that in my business what Chris just said was essentially a book club he's he's going he's going to books and he's you know he might and he's saying, this is this is the book we're reading this month or, or whatever. You can do this with A, yourself and B, your employees. You you can set up a bonus structure on this if, if you so desire to incentivize employees. And, and by doing this and by implementing some of these things, you're gonna not only build up your employee and improve their life, which, which in turn will strengthen your bottom line, uh, but you're also gonna attract employees who desire something more. They desire a company who's who has a, a culture and, and has these things in place. One of the things I, I learned researching the David Allen Company in preparation was that you are an, an employee-shared uh, ownership company. Can you tell us about the reasoning behind that? It's always been an attractive uh, business model, in my opinion, and I, I'd love for you to share us uh, any insights into that.
1: Yeah, I think that just supports some of the things that you know we've been talking about, and the and the leadership in the company, um, Mr. Robertson and Don Scott and some of the other principals really were evaluating. You know, how do we make sure that we're here for the next hundred years? And one of the ways to do that is to is to find ways to engage and keep high quality people, uh, and part of that is to essentially adopt the employee stock ownership program uh so that means basically everybody that's here we want you to think like an owner because you know what you are yeah so of course there's a vesting period but you know we we try to reinforce the mentality of you know what would you do if it was your company would you make that decision if that money was coming out of your pocket would you leave that cut there you know if, if it wasn't if, you know this is your company and you need to represent it that way so um it's also about it's also about creating an environment where we're hopefully creating careers for people here, not just jobs. Because of course, you know, when you're young, you know, you'll 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 leave for a quarter of an hour. But uh, you know, as you start to mature a little bit, you get you know, you start to really put into perspective what we're delivering. You know, 100% healthcare payment. David Allen Company, for many years, has always paid. 100% of their employees' healthcare, wow, um, that's great. the 401k contributions and the ESOP, all these things are are specifically engineered to offer people a place where you have a career. And it does very much what companies used to try to accomplish. You know, those stories with, you know, my dad worked for one company all of his life. Well, now it's like, well, you know, by the time you're you know you're 35, it's likely, statistically, you're going to have eight jobs. So uh, in our trade, our trade has and this goes back to tile now. Has, has almost come full circle from those really simplistic four and a quarter eight by eight jobs. Now it's very much um, uh, uh, sophisticated, high technically, you know, very technical installations, porcelain panels, large module tile. I mean, goodness, the uh, the setting materials are so sophisticated compared to just you know you know cement and, and uh, right. portland or portland and sand right i mean these things they these things can do incredible these mortars can do incredible things so that's another reason that we've been pushing towards finding our direct crews and, and keeping our guys here uh working for us so that we can always train and take advantage of that training and keep these people here uh you know at every level uh you know because the guy sweeping the broom to the guy it, driving we're all owners mm-hmm. and we want we want all those people to feel invested in, in in that culture and to uh you know to uh be part of success it's also by the way though as owners you tend to be careful and you tend to be a little more aggressive about voting people off the island so mm-hmm. right <laughs> we, we want to keep ourselves <laughs> operating in a higher and higher level all the time
0: yeah. And as you should, I mean, the more you have to offer and here, here's what I really want to express and kind of em- emphasize on what Chris just said. The more you can offer an employee, uh, the, the better quality person you can attract. And um, it goes beyond that though, because, uh, and again, I'll say for, for those of you who are smaller contractors who just heard what Chris said, that they offer um, a 401k package, they offer a hundred percent employee, excuse me, employer-paid insurance, health insurance, you said? They offer 100% paid insurance for their employees. They offer all these things, ESOP. That's great, Chris, but here I am. I've got three employees. That's not realistic for me. Well, guess what? Everything he mentions is not realistic for you today. It's not like a light switch. You're not going to turn that on. That's not going to happen. But you can offer, let's say, four paid holidays, uh, three- Paid sick days, and then five uh, paid vacation days, and and you're up to two weeks paid vacation days. You you don't think, and if you don't think you can afford that, you can. It's 2020, and you've all been raising your prices because I've been telling you to, and you've all been profitable. And you can afford to pay an extra two weeks. And if you can't, then you need to raise your prices because it's, it's your job as a business owner, as an employee to treat your, an employer, to treat your employees correct and, and offer something. And that, you know, and I preach, I preach profit for business owners and I mainly talk to business owners, but we have employees listening to the show. And one of the main reasons I, I want you to be profitable and sustainable and uh, be able to be around the long haul is is to offer good paying uh, careers to people who want them because that is lacking in this industry. We have too many, um, you know, like myself. When I was 25 and I I got my C54 license in California, I I many 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 days I would come home to my wife and and just uh, practically cry and say I just I just wish I could find a job because I'm, I'm, I'm done. Like, I don't want to run a business and install and do all this. I just wish somebody could pay me like 25 bucks an hour. And when I was 25, I had already, I already had, um, nine years of installation experience in the field. So, and I couldn't make 25 an hour in Monterey, California, on the coast of California in one of the most expensive pockets in, in the world. And so it's a problem in our industry And so that's why this conversation and that's why your um, example, David Allen Company, primarily and and Chris for relaying this information is so important today because we we need to create careers for the industry.
1: But to your point, Luke, remember, it's a process. We're talking about a company that's a century old. Yeah, yeah. Um, None of those things started right away. But and I remember if I made a quote unquote mistake when I was out on my own, my mistake was. I didn't, I wanted to do it alone. And I remember, like you just said, you know, you're out all day, you know, your day starts getting out to the field and then your get guys started and you run to Home Depot or, my, you know, for me it was Menards. But, and then, you know, you're running a job, you're trying to get some installations done. You're going to meet with the uh, the uh, home builder at uh, two o'clock and then Mrs. You know O'Leary's homeowner at uh, 530 at the distributor. And then you're going to go home. Now you're going to try to do some estimating. You're going to, you know, try to send out some bills. It never stops. Yeah. Um, and 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 that's okay. But the the only point that I'm trying to make is that it's super hard to do that alone. Right. You know, you can you can choose to do that, and and you'll be limited by how much time you have to spend doing that. Um, I think if I were going to do this again, maybe learning a little bit of the example of David Allen and some of the other folks that I've had the opportunity to work with, is it, it's really hard to do it alone. You really you really do need to rely on folks, and and if they're good folks, you're going to they're gonna need they're gonna expect to get paid because they deserve to be paid. Yeah. So, you know, I remember I just remember just trying to keep a helper, you know, one yeah. person. Yeah. And um, you know, and some of them are some of them are great and some of them weren't. But at the end of the day, when I went into pocket a little more and started to, you know, pay guys more, when I am just talking about when I was out on my own, um, yeah, I got better quality guys. Yeah. So I wouldn't have to worry about those guys they doing, you know, doing something different than what they were supposed to do when I went to pick up material, yeah. you know, cause you know, that I was that running around guy doing all that stuff at the same time. So it's hard to do it alone. And, and, you know, it's, it's even better if you could have a group, a small group of people you could trust and, and it comes in steps. Nobody starts out running right. full speed. So. Yeah.
0: And don't beat your, yeah, exact. Thank you for adding to that. And, and don't be beating, beating yourself up when it, all these things I say it, don't don't feel bad if if you're in that early stages or, or the middle of the process. Just know, just have that vision and understand where you do want to go. Uh, and that's different for everybody, but it should be up, right? It should be up, not down. Um, let's talk a little bit about why you're so involved in the industry, uh, what that's done for you, how others can start to get involved.
1: Um, it's... It's interesting, I talked about going the first time to coverings and telling my wife I was going to this tile show, not knowing what to expect. Right. Um, And I went to, I forget what they called it at the time, ITSE, something along those lines. But um, uh, I, as an installer, was beginning to really see the value of the, the difference in quality of products, the installation stuff. Uh, and then I remember that was my first chance to actually, other than going to some distributors' um, product knowledge seminars, uh, first time I was able to see real demonstrations and that kind of thing. And I just realized there was a whole bunch to learn. Uh, and really, most importantly, I I figured out I didn't know what I didn't know. Right. And um, so that kept me coming back. And I got just involved on the technical side, mostly because as a as a small commercial contractor. When I had a failure or a problem because I didn't know any better mm-hmm. it was super costly right because this was money that was this, this was this what I call bread money you know replacement was coming out of the bread money so I couldn't afford to do installations that were that would fail so I needed to find out how to up my game and for me uh, paying attention to the technical side of it uh, just became a bit of a passion and that you know that translated into me uh, listening to the folks that were talking about those types of things and, you know, uh, give some credit to Mike a 100 years ago and, you know, kind of let me tag along on what the first TCNA meeting. I remember going to uh, South Carolina and just sat and listened with Lucinda Noel and, and uh, Mike Mayori, and pretty fascinating stuff. Right? I was pleased to be there, but what I didn't realize at the time was that I was learning what I call method speak because it's a separate language, you know. Um, for most people who walk in that room for the first time, it's like watching paint dry. It's just not very interesting, but the longer that you participate and you begin to understand some of the complexities and the history of some of the conversations, um, it becomes more interesting. And and if there's anything that, you know, I'll say, and Don Scott was, was also kind of a mentor to me in that regard and that, um, you know, things happen at a snail's pace, mm-hmm. uh, in those methods meetings, because, you know, you're looking for a hundred percent agreement for some of the changes. And, um, and I think, anyway, I'm getting to the point of, uh, I've been very involved in the technical side, the ANSI side, TCNA, mostly by invitation by people who were, 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 you know, I was fortunate to allow me to tag along. And now I've been involved just through force of sheer will because, you know, uh, you know, if, if you know me well enough, you know that you probably are not going to have to wait for my opinion, right or wrong, but <laughs> sometimes that's good, sometimes it's not. But um, I think we've been able to uh, very much advocate for, for the tile consumer uh, by way of kind of leveling the playing field for uh, the labor side of the standard. And the, the difference and changes that we make are subtle, but I think they've got real value in terms of sharing some of the liability and the responsibility. If I said, you know, I like to sometimes use the analogy of there's three buckets, the manufacturer, the installer, and the allied product, and the tile manufacturer, the allied product manufacturer, the tile installer. Well, we should all have some similar liabilities spread around in those buckets. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't all come down to the tile installer. And very frequently, um, it is the responsibility of the tile installer, but sometimes there was language that that, um, skewed that a little bit. And I think we've had an opportunity to make a difference with that over the last 15 years at least that I've been involved with that stuff.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for sharing. What what could you tell someone who's who's maybe a little bit younger in the industry or or maybe they're just hearing of the NTCA and, and, and they they kind of want to get involved but they're not 100% sure what impact a it'll have on on them and their business and then what impact will it have on on the industry?
1: Well, like I said before, you don't know what you don't know. Right. Um and and being with and hanging around and paying attention with a lot of people who have, obviously you have a similar interest, right? If you're a tile contractor, you're going to be speaking with your peers. Um, There's just so much to learn Uh, in this business. And even, especially today, so many new products, so much new technology, you know, you're just not going to be able to absorb it all on your own by reading or, or or in the field by reading the back of the bag. Uh, You just need to have the amount of input that you can get, through an association like the National Tile Contractors Association, who is constantly there providing training, constantly there providing access to information, NTCA University, just going through those modules alone. Um, I mean, I learned things going through those modules and, you know, little tweaks and, and information. Uh, there's just no end to what you need to know. And I think that uh, the association is, is a great place to do that. Now, lots of folks don't want to be in an association, or they're just not that joining mentality thing. They don't care. They say, well, I'm getting along fine without it. And that might be very true. Um, You know, everybody's got a niche or things that they like to do, and and you can stick with that. Nobody says you have to join the association, but I can guarantee you, and at least from everyone that I know in my peer group associated associated with the NTCA will tell you that they walk away from a conversation every time learning something. I always learn something from, the folks i'm speaking to and not just the old guys there but the young guys too um you know social media has given folks access to lots of information as well but um it's a you know it's it's, o- it's only because we have some place to go as a community and talk and chat and and, uh, and share with each other so i mean i i advocate for it simply because it's been such a great source of uh um personal satisfaction to me uh, i miss these guys when i don't see them at the at the shows uh, uh it's you know it's just it's where i it's where i've learned the most other than just every day trying to get the job done yeah
0: it, I've heard that from a lot of a lot of tile contractors who have been very involved in, in the NTCA and the TCNA CTF uh, things of this nature. Uh, like Dave Gobis, you know, I was talking to him the other day, and he reemphasized that. He said it on his interview, and he, he reemphasized that the turning point or the most the the wisest thing he did was get involved with the NTCA and uh, talk about a man who uh, had a very profitable uh, business and sold it for and had an exit, exit of the business and what is able to live on. Uh, um, you know, s- several acres of um, uh, beautiful, pristine, perfect Wisconsin land, and it just has it um, has a great life, and is very to this day still involved in the industry because of because of how involved he was, and 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 the fact that it's hard to exit this. Um, but but you know, like you said, this this was the number one decision for building the business the way I wanted to build it, and that was profitable, sustainable, uh, and and exitable.
1: Yeah, I remember. um, I think it was St. Louis. Uh, There was a bunch of guys going downtown, and there was Dave Govis and a few guys sitting around talking about tile stuff. And I, nobody knew who I was. I just sat down. I figured, well, I was going to go with these guys and go out. But I I saw this opportunity to sit down and just listen to these guys talk. Um, It was, and it was valuable, and it kind of locked me into just, you know, being part of the crew that was paying attention to the the industry stuff rather than being there to party all the time like the guy that you know measured the success by right uh, by arrest i was i was part of that other crowd not part of that crowd so i was there to pay attention to these guys and and try to learn what i could yeah and 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 they're happy
0: to talk to you i mean you know the the first coverings i went to i met john bridge i met um i met a lot of people i met a lot of good people a lot of important people and and at first I, I i you know the first couple of events the first couple times i saw them and sometimes it is after you know after the day is over and you'll be at one of the you know the after parties from the from the sponsors or the manufacturers and and that's really when you get to uh, to dig deep into and, uh, and, and you know pull people's brains so to speak pick their brains right pick their knowledge and I remember being shy, and then the next day I was talking to John Bridge, and he said, don't, "Don't be shy, we want to share. We want to tell you everything anything and everything you want to know we want to tell you so and that's that's Chris's uh, view and um, you know Martin Brooks, I mean all these uh, you know uh, Brad Denny, I mean all these people who are involved, you walk into the TCNA Handbook meeting like I did in, in Nashville um, last year, and these guys are happy to see you and, and you've got a question. Um, that maybe has been on your mind, you're curious about something, you ask it, and they'll tell you just how it is.
1: Yeah, absolutely 100% true. Don't be shy at all. And as a matter of fact, you know, NTCA is a volunteer organization. We mm. want people to be involved. And trust me, if you have the willingness and the aptitude to get yourself into that right. that mindset where you're going to participate, um, there's, there's absolutely a place for you. Right. And we say that all the time. And don't be shy. You know, I You know, I know that the last thing that that anybody wants it to be is you know like the the old boys club or whatever that is absolutely not what we're looking for and yeah it, it might appear that way in some respects but that's only because people are afraid to come, come talk to to the old guys but we're looking for the young folks to come in and and, and take over because you know it's you really are and like yeah.
0: i like i said in an earlier episode you know um you know in the annual meeting of the ntca they said who. Who's got it? You know, they they posed a question, and it was some changes they were thinking about considering making it within the NCCA. And they said, anybody have questions? Well, two guys, uh, you know, were sitting next to me, Jeremy Ward and and Joseph Mattis, and and they both raised their hand and had input. This was their first meeting. I I don't even know if Jeremy was a member uh, at the time. I know he is now. And, and he said, well, this is the way I see it. And, and every, you know, they took notes and they took note of that conversation. So if, if you have something to say, you go there and you say it. And and like Chris is saying, they want you to say it. How, you know, because you mentioned, you know, the circle of peers that are, that that have been involved and a lot of them are older. What, what kind of things are you guys discussing, um, amongst yourselves about the industry? What, what are you concerned about? Like the, like the user asked or, or the Facebook, um. Attendee asked here: What what are you concerned about inside the industry, or what excites you? Maybe one at a time.
1: Well, um, you know, everybody's, of course, still reacting to COVID because mm-hmm. it's here; it's not going anywhere. It's at least for the foreseeable future, affecting the way uh, we're doing business. How is that going to impact uh, construction? Right? Is um, is the at least in my world, the commercial uh, tile world? Is this going to mean that office spaces shrink? Does this mean that they'll go back to, uh, the big open rooms are pretty much probably going to go away, right? Mm -hmm. How's it going to affect the tile installation? Is it an opportunity for the tile contractor? I think with porcelain panels, you know, I think it's got to be an opportunity Mm -hmm. Um, because it just makes sense that, that the tile is part of what they're looking for, you know, sustainability, antimicrobials, and, and all the things that the tile offer. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just, it, we have to sell it like an opportunity. So I worry about um, downsizing commercial office space. Uh, apparently right now, at least in the DC market there, they've had the biggest um, reduction in average rent for, for residential space that they've ever recorded. So wow. in the short term, you know, it, you know, it is concerning, but things always go in cycles. It always bounces back. People find a way to do what they do. You know, banks want to lend, builders want to build town guys want to tile so we always find our way to 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 get back into some sense of normalcy so uh short-term effects of covid you know lots of folks that i know they're they're not concerned about next year they're concerned about maybe two years from now effects of the um effects of the uh election no matter what side you come down on you know people uh, people fear change and mm-hmm. change is probably inevitable with each election cycle um I, I see. I see good things for the industry just because there's so much opportunity by virtue of the types of materials that are now being manufactured and are our extreme, uh, extremely um, deeper U.S. production capability. I mean, it used to drive me crazy that it, we'd be installing 200,000 square feet of tile mm-hmm. for a U.S. mall. Well. There's no reason to do that now. There's so much capacity in the United States. That's an opportunity. Um, really high quality uh, tile manufacturers domestically available now. I think that's a great opportunity because, um, you know, it just it narrows down a whole lot of issues and air freight, and customs and all the rest of that stuff. You don't have to worry about. I, I just I don't see I don't see a downside to what's going on right now. Uh, I see opportunity because because there's so much new going on with tile technology, yeah. steady material technology, uh, production technology. Mm. It's a whole different product than it was 30 years ago.
0: Yeah, a lot of, uh, you know, and, and this is nothing new. You know, like Chris says, change is always happening. Uh, downturns happen. A lot of people will tell you, entrepreneurs, business owners, that every downturn, you know, every every time there's a, a you know, a, a trouble in the economy, there's hidden opportunities that you can uncover, and, and that will, you know, keep you afloat, or maybe even excel. You might even have a, a pro- more profit during a downturn. And, you know, it, it, it's kind of an interesting thing to say. But if if so many business owners and, and entrepreneurs say it, there's there's a lot of truth to that. And if you dig around a little, I'm sure I'm sure you know what I'm talking about and agree with this, listeners, um, that there will be opportunity. You know. And it's, you know, it's your job as a business owner to find it and uncover it and, and stay afloat.
1: Luke, I can't see the chat. Have we responded to questions that have been asked or not?
0: Well, we, yeah, we've been, there hasn't been a lot of questions. I will say, go ahead, get, uh, everybody. We've still got over 20 people listening here. Um, go ahead and ask your questions if you have questions. We had a question about, um, uh, about concerns in, inside the industry, and you just answered that one. Uh, we had uh, uh, questions, you know, we've answered several questions already. Um, I, we haven't, I don't think I missed a, a question.
1: I just saw Shannon, hello, Shannon, uh, asked a question about selling your value. Uh, I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the only way to do that is to first have done your own homework. Right. You can't convey credibility without being knowledgeable. So um, that all goes back to training. You know, you're not going to, you're not going to walk into a conversation as the newest tile installer on the block and, and be able to convey mm-hmm. your quality because, A, you have no reputation to back it up. Uh, and again, like we talked about earlier, you're, you're only going to make that sale once, right? You can't back it up. So do your homework. Know what you're, know what you're doing. And the training is, is the first part of that. Um, you know, it's simple as read the back of the bag, right? So many people <clears> don't.
0: And we do have we do have a question I would like to ask you, Chris. And this came not from a, a live member, but it actually came through my email yesterday. And so it, it couldn't have came at a better time because this isn't really my forte. I don't have a lot of experience, you know, with you know sitting on the TCNA book like yourself, Chris. You know, I, I, I'm a baby in the industry here. And so it couldn't come at a perfect time this this kind of a, a deeper question or concern that a tile contractor in southeast or excuse me northeast South Dakota I'll, I'll paraphrase and pretty much read his question he said I recently found the podcast and could it be more thrilled to find a community of people that are passionate about this art like myself I'm writing in regards to my concerns with some of the newer system shower floors the underlayments uh the Leveling systems. My concern with these products being summarized by saying, I do not feel that they create a solid, unmovable surface enough to handle the amount of expanse and contraction that occurs due to their climate in South Dakota. You know, lots of freezing. I mean, it could swing 60 degrees in a day. I've seen it. I grew up in North Dakota. (laughs) Have these issues be discussed? So I I would like to say this guy must not be on social media because these issues are discussed a lot and brought up. Um, But he says, to clarify, he mud floats all of his shower floors and he, he, over a pan liner with a pre-float and a membrane. So he's, it sounds like he's doing it exactly the way you should in the TCNA handbook for that um, specification. And, and he preps his floors with a uh, Tech 200 self-leveler over mesh, install floor heat inside the leveler. Um, so he's describing some of the things he's doing, but his his concern, he says, is that these some of the products haven't been on the market a long time Um, they're sold as the correct way, professional method, and he has some disagreement with that, and he's looking forward to hearing my response. Well, my response doesn't matter. I'd like to hear from you, Chris.
1: I think he's talking about a shower pan, so I'm not sure why he's concerned about expansion and contraction, because presumably that's an interior installation. Mm. And it sounds like, you know, it's good that he's pre-floating the floor, and it seems like he's got that part of it nailed, but a little bit all over the place in terms of the material, so I would say you know pick a horse and, and stay with that horse. Find a full service um, distributor or manufacturer of product that can that can check off all those boxes. One, because you'll have a system that's that's manufactured to work with all of the other components. Mm-hmm. And B, if you need help, consideration or, or or a little bit of support down the road, you know you're going to have a relationship with the manufacturer of that product that's going to be interested invested in. and and helping get you on track i mean they are they are there to develop you as a high quality installer of their product that's their bread and butter Mm -hmm. um and most importantly you become important to them and they're going to share with you you know they're going to make you a priority so um everything that you did at individual steps i get it Uh, you know the 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 leveler over the mesh i don't understand the uncoupling um reference but again Mm you're kind of all over the place so find a manufacturer of, the, of a single product and go from the ground up and use that manufacturer's product and all the components as they're manufactured to interrelate to each other. Yeah. Does that does that address the answer? I think.
0: I think I think it does, and I'll add you know my two cents um, for what they're worth. You know, it, it, when we question things, like Chris said, you don't know what you don't know, and so, for instance, I at the onset of this um, episode, I I said that lay decree. Um, invented thinset and, and then it, they got a lot of pushback when they invented thinset because everything up until that point had been mud set but somebody had keep been keeping an eye on building trends and they noticed that the direction the 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 structures of the buildings were going and they said, well, and they noticed pot as well as some of the ceramic, the way it was fired and things needed, you know, to be, uh, you, you know, you needed the late, the, the latex in there, right? Latecrete late latex and concrete. And, and so what ended up happening is when they built the world trade centers, they, they wanted to build the, the, the tallest buildings in the world. And, and so they had to cut down on, on weight and, um, because like i said innovation i mean it's going to it's going to keep happening people are going to keep innovating building newer larger different lightweight structures and so later creek came th- through and, and and got the whole contract because they were the ones that that were using this product and and had you know invented this product that you know enabled the the world trade centers to be built and to be the the, the tallest buildings in the world so what i would like to say is you have to if something bothers you because you don't understand it you have to go to the horse's mouth like chris is telling you here and say why 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 do your products work and then you have the choice just like chris said you have a choice to join an organization or not you have a choice well either you can say well i know in my area that that my products work and i'm comfortable with them but at least now i understand why they work and so that's you know that's all really the that's really the only answer you can give is you know educate yourself right
1: I've heard that story about the World Trade Center, and, and I, I, of course, I don't remember the specifics, but it had to do with being able to remove the thick set over 102 stories and two towers, saved a tremendous amount of weight, right. which in turn saved them needing a tremendous amount of steel. Now, this is, you know, in retrospect, it's a it's sad, just a whole sad association, but uh, it was an innovation at the time that was pretty legendary. Uh, right. And moving to the dry set, thin set methods is really changed the industry. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And we don't understand it always at first, you know, but when we go to, you know, and he, he says he uses a, a tech, you know, company. And I know when I was in North Dakota, Minnesota, I used tech. That's, that's what's predominant out there. One of, the, one of the companies. And so go to, you know, know your rep, find out who your rep is. And what I always tell guys, and I keep saying it because I, I keep finding people who don't realize this, the company will send their representative out to your job on their dime to to ensure that you're doing it the way they want you to be doing it, and they'll also educate you, and they'll probably bring you a free hat, coffee mug, or t-shirt along the way, and some pencils, right? And so it's a win-win-win. I mean, you get some help, you get some education, and then and then you make the choice. Then you make the choice. Well, am I gonna am I gonna keep doing it this way? Because and, and maybe you're doing it, and there's nothing wrong. There's there's multiple methods that are approved and, and um in the TCNA handbook and and you make your choice so educate yourself guys and and call your reps get them on your job sites uh it's a good time and um so any any last words chris we we've been going about an hour and 10 i want to respect your time here
1: Well, no i appreciate uh, the opportunity to talk to you and hopefully we've been able to connect with somebody out there and maybe by the time this gets on youtube and gets passed around a little bit it'll it'll uh, Engage somebody in in a new way. I hope that's the case. Yeah, absolutely. So, did we did we check off all the boxes?
0: Yeah, I we've checked off we 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 got through a lot of good topics here. I I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. I know I know it's a busy time. We've got Total Solutions Plus. I know you're active in that and and a very active in the industry. Um, here we have a comment: Thinset expanded the market. Pre Thinset tile sales were about two hundred and fifty thousand square feet and then in 20 years they went up to 25 million i don't know i don't have any way to verify that but
1: that's an incredible expansion though right in, in two decades time
0: yeah i mean just just
1: unbelievable
0: i mean i don't even I, I can't even do the math in my head but from a quarter of a million
1: <laughs> to 25 yeah. million yeah i i refrain from putting a <laughs> doing that math out loud as well but yeah that's a pretty incredible expansion yeah
0: Thanks for being here, Kevin Ford. Appreciate it. Waterline Tile and Design from Morro Bay, California. Shannon, thanks for being here. We appreciate your input. Everybody who commented, we appreciate it. This guy says he could do the math. So um, better than me. <laughs> it's actually, it shouldn't be that hard. It's it's 25,000. So there's, I don't know if it's 10X. I don't know. <laughs> All right, Chris. Well, once again, I appreciate it. You have a good day. Enjoy your weekend. All right, see you. All right, tile friends. Well, that was a great interview with Chris. I really appreciate him taking his time to share his knowledge, his experience with us. And I want to thank all of you. We had uh, 25 of you the whole time. We had 35. And I know um, some of you came and went. If you're you're catching snippets of this, maybe you came in halftime. You can listen to this in the podcast on a podcast player, in your cell phone or on YouTube if you like watching it um, and viewing it. So on any podcast player, Spotify, iTunes, et cetera, on your cell phone, as well as YouTube, Um, and again, thanks for being here guys. I appreciate your support. I appreciate all the patrons who support me, uh, with monthly donations. I I truly do. Um, together we're building up the industry. We're building up the installer, uh, and we're helping contractors everywhere. So until next week, enjoy your weekend and enjoy your families and stay profitable out there, Tile friends. Take care.